well tonight on this passage. And so let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll dive in for the next few minutes here in the book of Genesis. Father, we love you, and we thank you for your book. What a precious, precious book it is. Thank you for each and every book contained within the one book. Thank you for tonight as we look at the book of Genesis and see it as a book of beginnings and all that you've done for us and from the very beginning how you created everything. How from shortly after the beginning, man decided to do things man's way and rebelled against you. But you are faithful and your love is there. As we read this morning that you've chosen us or predestined us before the foundation of the world, you knew what was going to happen. Yet you still loved us. Thank you. Thank you for creating all that you did. Bless the time as we're in this passage of Scripture tonight, and I pray that you'd be pleased and glorified. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. John, can you give me, let me have a copy of the notes there, just to make sure I get you all the notes here tonight. So... All right. We, when we look at the book of Genesis, I'm going to give you several things tonight, and then we'll be on our way. First thing is, when? When did it take place? Well, it starts with the creation of the world, and it goes to the Israelites arriving in Egypt, and when they grew into a nation. Think about this. When you think about that, the book of Genesis covers more ground than the other 65 books of the So more time span in the book of Genesis, than all 65 of the other books put together is all found in the book of Genesis. And so when was it written? It was written sometime during the Israelite exodus from Egypt during the 15th century B.C. And where was, and where, what area was it in? It was in, there's three different areas you see there. Genesis took place in three geographical areas. The Fertile Crescent, chapter 1 through 11, Israel, chapter 12 through 36, and then Egypt, chapter 37 through 50. When we talk about who wrote the book of Genesis, we know it was given by inspiration of God. God gave that to Moses. Moses was not there when God created everything, but God gave Moses what to write about the beginning of everything. You take your Bibles with me, and I want to look, we're going to look at a few passages of Scripture as we go through. We can start in Genesis 1, and we'll move through a few passages as we go through here tonight and see several things. Moses also wrote the other four books of the law. So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. He wrote those books. And we see these things and we look at the book of Genesis. We look at the very first verse. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The Bible starts out with a fact right here. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. This is where everything began. The book of Genesis is a book of beginnings. As we read it and as we look through here, and we look at and we think of the word Genesis being a book of beginnings, many things began right here in the book of Genesis. The beginning of creation, the beginning of mankind. The beginning of marriage in Genesis chapter number 2. And God sets up marriage and how it's supposed to be between a man and a woman. That's what the Bible says. We see the beginning of sin in Genesis chapter number 3. 
We see the beginning of grace as God clothed Adam and Eve. And as the ark was there for Noah's family, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. We see the beginning of grace. We also see in the book of Genesis the beginning of God's judgment. We see it at the flood. We see it at Sodom. We see it at the Tower of Babel. We see it when they were cast out of the garden. We see the beginning of mercy. We see the beginning of redemption in God's plan for mankind. We see the beginning of the gospel. It all starts right here, Genesis 3, verse 15. We see the beginning of Israel. Genesis is a foundational book for our faith. When you look at the New Testament and study the New Testament, it's quoted word for word scores of times, and it's in more than 15 books of the New Testament writings from Genesis. When you take the book of Genesis, and as you go through it, you could split it up, and let me see if I missed something here. When we look at Genesis, you saw in the video there, you could outline it two, in two ways. There's two main divisions you can give to the book of Genesis. So number one there, Genesis can be split into two main divisions. Letter A, when we talk about the first division, we see God's created world. In Genesis chapter 1 through chapter number 11, we see God's created world. God created everything perfectly. And the Bible says over and over again in Genesis chapter number 1 that God made it and it was good. You're there in chapter 1. Look at the very last verse. It says, And God saw everything that he made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. God created something out of nothing world into existence he created the sun the moon the stars he created plants he created animals he created fish he created humans he created everything in six days the bible says it was not some evolutionary process that we're taught today god did it he spoke this world into existence we see as we talk about god's created world there are four major events we see the first one there <coughs> is God's created world. And we see the first thing is we see creation of this world. Next thing we see is the fall of mankind. After God sets everything up and after God creates everything, we jump to Genesis chapter number 3. And the Bible tells us here, now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden. God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave unto her husband all husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. We see the fall of mankind. God told Adam in chapter number two, Don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Chapter 3, we see right away the serpent, more subtle than any beast. We see he comes, says, and what does Satan do? He loves to question God and his word. 
Did God really mean that? Oh, God didn't mean that you would surely die. Satan tries to get the people of God to doubt the words of God. Let me remind you of something tonight. Trust God and what he says. You will never go wrong trusting God and what he says. We see the creation of the world. We see the fall of mankind. Letter number three, we see God pours out his judgment through Noah's flood. The world was such a wicked place during this time. The Bible says in chapter number 6 of Genesis, And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair, and took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with men, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. And look at verse number 5, and God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And look at, look at what it says about mankind in this day right here. And that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Now, if that were a Baptist preacher, you could say he's probably exaggerating just a little bit. I get that. These are God's words. We think our world is bad today, and don't get me wrong, our world is bad today. But I, you read this here before the flood, I don't think our world's quite back to that point yet. There are people that are trying to serve God and live for Him. The Bible says here that every thought was evil continually. What a wicked place, and we see that God pours out His judgment. The Bible says it's the worst period in human history, and, and when we look at this, God decides to bring a flood. God saved one man in this family, Noah. Can you imagine being Noah and building an ark for 100 years and you have all these people, hey, Noah, what are you doing? I'm building a boat. Noah, where's the water at for your boat? Oh, it's going to rain. Um, Noah, what's rain? It never rained before. Oh, God says judgment's coming. Oh, Noah, you're crazy. You've been in the sun a little too long today. But God brought the flood and God poured out his judgment in the flood. But God showed his grace in saving those who were on the ark. And there was only one way to be saved from the flood. It was through the ark. Pictures, there's only one way to be saved in salvation in Jesus Christ. We see number four there as we go through here under our first point here, God's created world. The fourth event is man tries to build a tower to heaven, the Tower of Babel. And we go to chapter number 11 and we see this, and it's very interesting to me. The whole earth was of one language and of one speech, the Bible says. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And they said one to another, let, Go to, let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and slime had they for mortar. And they said, Go to, let us build us a city and tower whose top may reach into heaven. And let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men built. built it. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language. And this they begin to do, and now nothing will restrain from them which they have imagined to do. Go to, now look, God says the same thing. Let us go down. Who's the us? The Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. You see the Trinity right there. Man was going to do their thing, but God had his way. 
want you to understand something. From the very beginning, Genesis, the book of beginnings, we read about in the book of Revelation, we hear about Babylon, the great is fallen. Babylon, this idea of humanity rising up, the one world system of things, can all be traced back to the Tower of Babels where it begins. All that we read about Babylon and Revelation all started here. Man wanted to make a name for themselves, and man was trying to say, we don't need God, we can do it ourselves. And that's what our world's trying to do today. And the closer we get to the Lord's return, and as we see the book of Revelation, Revelation unfold before our eyes, we see all of that. Babylon, that idea, this is where it all began, but God had a better way. Can you imagine two best friends working together on building this tower right next to each other? And he's like, hey man, put your brick there, and then all of a sudden they can't understand one another. Can you just picture that happening? Like, I, I hope in heaven there's just a big IMAX theater in heaven where we can go back and see all these things play out. I'd love to see the Tower of Babel here. Can you imagine the confusion on someone else's face when someone's trying to talk to them? And as God scatters them and does these things, <coughs> but we see the four major events from chapter number 1 through chapter number 11, the creation of the world. The fall of mankind. God pours out his judgment through the flood, and then man tries to build a tower to heaven, and God scatters them. And then letter B, we see God's chosen people. And there are four main characters mentioned from chapter number 12 through chapter number 50. Now, one of the things I love about the book of Genesis, and one of the things I love about the Bible one of the things that I love about my God is the fact that he's so much more concerned about people than he is things. He takes less than a verse to say he made the stars also. But he spends 14 chapters talking about Joseph and his life. People matter to God. And that's a blessing to me. God's chosen people, four major characters that are mentioned in Genesis chapter number 3, we read of the beginning of God's plan to redeem mankind through the seed of a woman. In chapter number 12, we, uh, chapter 11, we see that God scatters man because they rebel against him. But then in chapter number 12, and as we watch that video, kind of that length that ties it all together, in chapter 12, we see God put a plan in place to begin bringing man back in redemption. The rest of the book of Genesis, the rest of the book focuses on this family line, on Abraham's line. Four major people. The first one is Abraham. And we did a study a while back, it's, well, it's probably been a year or two now since we studied Abraham. The story of Ishmael, Lot and Abraham and all these things that go on and we see Abraham leave Ur the Chaldees and go to the new land by faith. We see Abraham fail a lot along the way, but Abraham is where the story begins, the first man that's mentioned. Then there's Isaac. He takes a wife. His wife had twins, Jacob and Esau. And he was deceived by his children. We see, let her see, we see Jacob. And Jacob, as was mentioned, had four wives. God's plan, and let me just say, if we look at the book of Genesis as a book of beginnings, God's plan for marriage was one man and one woman. God never designed it to be more than that. 
And show me in the Bible someone marrying more than one woman and show me them having a good home and everything being good with their kids. You cannot find it one time in Scripture. We see Jacob, God gives him 12 children. Jacob loved one of his sons more than the rest. Joseph, why? He was the firstborn of Rachel. Rachel was the one he really wanted to marry. He gives him a coat of many colors. Joseph has dreams, and he explains these dreams to his brothers and to his parents, and no one was real tickled about the fact they said they'd bow down to him someday. And so letter D, we see Joseph, and Joseph, God used Joseph in a great way, and as I mentioned, mentioned 14 chapters there in the book of Genesis, his life. And God took Joseph, his brothers meant evil, they wanted to kill him, instead they sell him into slavery. He goes into Egypt and he works in Potiphar's house, and God was with him the entire time, and in Potiphar's house, he moves up command, and he's basically in charge of Potiphar's house, and then what happens? Potiphar's wife lies about him, says that he tried to lie with her, and sends Joseph to prison. Now, we can look at the Bible and see why God did these things and why things happened, but do you realize if Joseph would have stayed in Potiphar's house, he probably never would have gotten to Pharaoh's house and second in command of Egypt? Things had to happen the way God had a plan all the way along. And then as Joseph, as he's in prison there, the baker and the butler have dreams. No one can interpret the dreams. Joseph can. Joseph told them to remember him, and of course what happens? He was forgotten about. And then Pharaoh has a dream that he cannot answer, and his magicians, his astrologers, they can't take care of it. And oh yeah, there's this guy in prison, Joseph. He could probably help. They bring Joseph, and God's been with Joseph all the way along. And Joseph tells Pharaoh his dream. And God works in such a way to where Joseph moves into second in command in Egypt. Jacob, um, jo- sorry, Joseph saves, is, saves Egypt from the famine that they had. Storing food and doing things just right. But then that famine stretched out into Canaan area. And Jacob and his sons needed food. And what did they do? They came to Egypt. And they bowed before Joseph. And his dream had come true. His dream did not happen the way he thought it would happen. But it worked out. Ends up after a long story Joseph saves his brothers and his father. And then Jacob dies, and the brothers get a little worried. Joseph was just being nice to us because dad was still alive. But now that dad's gone, Joseph's going to get even with us. And Joseph, as we heard those words earlier, Joseph told him, you meant this as evil. But God knew what he was doing. God meant this for good. God had a plan all the way along, and with Joseph, we see God turned evil into good. Jacob's beloved son rescued his brothers who hated him, and Joseph's a picture of Christ. As we finish up tonight, as we round the finish line in the book of Genesis, I want to give you some applications, some thoughts for you tonight. I want you to look with me, first of all. Go back. We read already. I'll read it for you again. I want you to go to Genesis chapter 50. Genesis 1.1 says, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Now go with me to the very last verse of the book of Genesis. Genesis 50, verse number 26. <clears throat> so Joseph died being 110 years old, and they embalmed him 
and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. What a contrast between the two. Go from the beginning of everything, God created everything, to a man dying and being put in a coffin. You think about this, where do we begin tonight? We see from the very beginning here in the book of Genesis, we see God's perfect creation. We see the perfect life. God had everything perfect in this world. There was no death. There was no crying in this world. There was no wickedness in this world. There was none of those things. That's where it all began. God's perfect creation, perfect life. Where does it end here in the book of Genesis? We see it ends with Joseph being put in a coffin in Egypt. Death in a foreign land. Death in a land that is pictured as the world in Scripture. God's people were not supposed to be there, but they're fallen and broken. You begin with the perfect creation and end in Egypt. How do you get to this spot? How do you start out with the perfect world, perfect creation, and get to being in a place you should in death? Go back to Genesis 3, and I'll tie a few last things together, and we'll be on our way in just a couple minutes. What got us to this point? <coughs> Genesis 3, verse number 1, And the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. The woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree in the midst of the garden. God hath said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know in the day ye eat thereof. Then shall your eyes be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. The world began a perfect place. Genesis ends with death in a coffin in Egypt. How did we get there? Letter A. Our thoughts. They doubted God's word. Doubted God's plan. What gets us in trouble today when we doubt God's word, when we doubt God's plan? Do we really need to live like this? Does God really love me? What's God withholding from me? That was their thoughts. Those thoughts led, the letter B, they led to action. Verse number six, the Bible says here, and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, Fruit there. Give also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. They looked and held it. They got too close to what God had forbidden. And let me just say something tonight. We do the same things in our lives. We get too close to things that God tells us that a Christian has no business doing. Our computers, our smartphones, our families, our teens' friends. Be very careful. And Christian, let me just say tonight, when God has a line and when there's a line in Scripture something, don't have to be right on the line. You know, Eve shouldn't have been, you have a whole garden why did she need to be by that tree? There's so much, so many other things she could have been doing. 
Isn't that kind of how we are in Christianity too? Oh, God doesn't want me to do this. What about all that he lets you do and the freedom you have? We look at the few things we're not supposed to do and miss out on all the things we get. Think about that. But thoughts led to action, which led her see, led to involvement. <clears throat> we see they ate the fruit. Before you know it, you're something never imagined. Because your thoughts, your actions lead to these things. And then verse number seven, we see the consequences of it all. Where do we go from here? We turn to our Redeemer. You don't run from God. Let Him redeem you, love you, forgive you, and give you a new life. At the end of the book of Genesis, it kind of looks like Satan's kind of won just a little bit, doesn't it? Death, a coffin in Egypt. His rebellion against God's creation appears to have succeeded. Death has touched all the sons of Adam. The last hero in Genesis, Joseph, fades away. The book that begins with creation ends with a coffin. But there are still 65 more books to go. And God's not done yet. This is a book of beginnings. And God's story isn't told yet just in one book. And His story in your life isn't told yet either. Stay away from the forbidden fruit, and if you eat it, God isn't done with you. We see, where's the coffin at? It's in Egypt. The mightiest nation on earth during this time. God knew what he was doing. He knew exactly where to leave Joseph's coffin. And as we'll discover next week as we study the book of Exodus, the age was set for God's great redemption and resurrection where he could show the whole world and even a Pharaoh who thought that he was God, he could show who God really was. Genesis is a book of beginnings. And as the book of beginnings ends, God's business is not nearly finished yet. Let me just say tonight, have you messed up God's plan for your life? Do you live with regrets today? Genesis is full of stories of failures and redemption, judgment and second chances. Plans being fulfilled through human failures. Let me remind you of something tonight. God is not done with you. Genesis teaches us that in the midst of God's wrath, God remembers mercy. He is the animal slain to cover our nakedness. He's the ark that will carry us safely through the storms of judgment. He's the sacrificial lamb substituted for Isaac. He's the brother sold for a few pieces of silver who saves his own family. Genesis shows us so much of who God is and how he loves us in spite of our failings. This is a book of beginnings. If you're wandering from him, you can come back to him. He loves you. And we are through book number one. 65 more to go. Father, we love you, and I thank you for the time we've had tonight in your word and in your book. Thank you for the book of Genesis, and I pray that you would just continue to work and use our church. I pray that these messages and the series through the books of the Bible would be a help to your people. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.